Imagine. It's the late 20th century. You're in the National Gallery in London, staring hard at a painting by Filippo Lippi. You squint and tilt your head, scratching your scalp in confusion. It just doesn't make sense. The master 15th century painter has long been a puzzle to critics and scholars like yourself. His technique, his use of light, his sense of line and form, it's all perfect. But his perspective is off. In this particular painting, the Madonna and Child, the central figure is Mary holding the baby Jesus in her arms. Sharing the foreground with her are Saints Dominic and Jerome, kneeling toward the child, but looking as if they're about to keel forward onto the gallery floor. And in the background too, the hills and mountains look as if they're about to topple. The proportions, the angles, it's all off. Passersby stop and stare at the painting for a few moments before moving on, but you can't walk away. How could such a great artist never have mastered perspective as his contemporaries did? Hour after hour you stare and wonder. Then it strikes you. Is it possible? Could it be that the problem is not with the painting at all? You drop to your knees right there in the crowded gallery, looking up at the painting. The other patrons look and whisper at your strange behavior, but all you can do is smile. You begin to laugh, first to yourself, but soon the marble halls are echoing with your guffaws. Of course, you think, of course. This painting was never meant to hang in a gallery, to be seen straight on by critics and paying customers. Lippi was a famous artist, but also a devout Carmelite monk. He painted this as an aid to prayer, meant to be seen from a posture of supplication and devotion. Only when kneeling can one see its true composition, its accurate perspective. And from this angle, it is perfect. Everybody and welcome to season four. This is Ben and Dwayne of the These Days podcast, uh, and we're coming to you from. I think it's time that we tell people where we really are, Ben. Yeah. What do you think about that? Like, like yeah. my address? Are we? Is that what we're yeah. doing here? Well, here, here's the thing. We are actually this season. We're going to be broadcasting from the studios in the Arctic Rainforest uh, Inn. Uh, almost called it. The falafel in because I had a really good Big Mac falafel. Wait, were we in the ago. rainforest in season one? Uh, we are, but but this it's still a rainforest and it is Arctic because it is picking cold. But here's here's the interesting thing, Ben. It could transform into like you know the subtropical prehistoric rainforest oh, okay, over okay. the course of this very yeah, season. Okay, so it, you just got to understand that uh, it is pouring down rain. What, what we also got to understand us. is that whatever you say, that's where we are. <laughs> Well, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. And I kind of like, I kind of like that. 
kind of like that. But uh, we're still about uh, theology for the people, and we're about the resilient way of Jesus. And especially in the moment and the days that we find ourselves in today, but what's a big deal is season four, this is our first podcast in 2021. Woo! Yeah, after the new year, uh, and it's our second year of podcasting, Ben. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is I mean, pretty crazy. Just think about that. I mean, because that's quite an achievement, really, when you think about it. You know? Yeah, just cranking yeah. out episodes yeah. left and right. Yeah, and uh, in fact, next month will be our one-year anniversary. Will when we started the podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, happy anniversary, Dad. Yeah, that's some road under the treads right there. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Did you hear that clapping from, oh, the, wow. from the crowd? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, thanks. You bet. But uh, we started uh, These Days podcast one year ago, March, and uh, our first episode, interestingly enough, was asking the question, uh, are these unprecedented times? Because it had started just right after uh, the lockdown of a pandemic. I mean, even if you're listening to this a couple of years from now, you probably are going to remember this pandemic. Uh, but little did we know uh, that we'd still be talking about it, right? Or are we talking in it? Let's put it that way. And the reality is, is in, in this particular moment, uh, Christians in the West, as, um, as uh, Sayer says, uh, what's his name? What's his first name again? Mark Sayers. Mark Sayers. Thank you. Okay, you Thank to, you. Uh, back Goodness. up and do that again there? For, for some reason, I kept wanting to say Gail Sayers, but that's for my <laughs> class. Because <laughs> he was a football oh, player. Oh, man, I'm leaving but, all you know, this in. I'm yeah, not cutting it this out. This is messed up. But you know, as, uh, as, as he says, Christians in the West, you know, except I don't have that cool Southern Ox, uh, Australian accent. Shall I try, try to say it like nope, you did? Nope, nope, oh, okay, nope, okay. nope, 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 nope. Yeah, no, all seriousness, Christians in the West, especially now in America, for the first time, I think, are feeling under siege. Uh, and, you know, the, the thing I was thinking about, men, is maybe they haven't heard season three, which was all about happiness, but... Oh, yeah, maybe, uh, no. maybe. <laughs> but seriously, there's maybe, lots... Maybe the, maybe the uh, These Days podcast is the cure for all that ails you. I mean, maybe <laughs> yeah. that's the, Who knows? Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure it hasn't gotten around the country because because uh, it's yeah, I've seen a lot of scared and sad people. In fact, I talked to a lot of people, seriously, who are scared and concerned. And um, But, you know, what we want to talk about this season is how much of that is... Uh, uh, something we really uh, is our feelings, and what's some, how much of it is is reality. I mean, certainly there is reality to it, uh, but the, part of it is is that these are just unprecedented times in our lifetimes for most of us uh, living here and listening to this podcast right now. So, we just want to raise up the question of what does it mean to be a uh, resilient follower of Jesus, a resilient disciple of Jesus, in these you know, turbulent times, uh, because there's no question that that's what it is. And what, what does it mean to be uh, a person who lives uh, the way Jesus would live in this world? And, and what difference would that make? And what difference does that make in our lives when we do it? And the core piece of that, as we're going to see today, and, and this is going to be the theme of the whole season, is the real presence of Jesus, both being in his presence being with Jesus and Him being with us, uh, so the 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 whole uh, business of of Jesus coming and being Emmanuel, which literally means God with us, uh, and he invites us to be with Him, if if you will, because uh, to be bold uh, because of the presence uh, that we think um, 
we, we kind of think that some of the siege mentality has been overblown or been used to sort of, uh, you know, uh, discourage certain uh, belief systems, uh, particularly religious belief systems, uh, particularly Christi- Christians, Christianity. But even though it might feel otherwise, uh, some days we think that um, uh, the reality is is that the answer is not to try and uh, pick fights or pick sides or anything else, but to simply live the real presence of Jesus, and that's going to take care of a lot of the things itself. So why don't you lead us into how the cold open fits into the big idea today, Ben? Yeah, I will do that as I uh, pour myself another oh, cup of Yorkshire tea here yeah, in the, the what did you call it, the inn? The, the, the rain The rainforest, rainforest inn. Arctic, or, or, or Arctic rainforest Arctic inn. rainforest inn, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's great. That's great. Yeah, what a great start. So that uh, that cold open we just uh, talked about is a true story. It's a true story of a art historian and critic named Robert Cumming. And uh, he was standing in London in the National Gallery staring at this painting. And for Which for, I have been to, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great place. Yeah. Which forever and ever and ever, all, all these art critics and scholars just couldn't figure out why Leapy's paintings all seemed to have messed up perspective. He was good at everything else, so how could he not be good at this perspective? Thing. Don't you just love those Italian artists' names? Yeah, Filippo Lippi. Filippo, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Robert Cumming is looking at it, and then he realizes that Filippo Lippi. Oh wait, this guy was actually a monk. He was a Carmelite monk, and uh, he painted this particular painting and kind of all these paintings actually to be an aid to prayer, like an icon that people would kneel and it would be above them and they'd look up. So, so uh, Robert Cumming gets down on his knees in the middle of the London, ga- the National mm-hmm. Gallery in London. And uh, he looks at it from that position, and he realizes, oh, wait, from this angle, the perspective is perfect. That is so cool. That's a, that's a, such a cool like story, but it reminds us that so often we look around and we think, everything's off. God, did you realize everything's mm-hmm. off? Did you realize that things are not working? Do you, do you understand that whatever you're doing, it's not working, yeah. right? And we look around, it doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and yet, the crazy thing about that is for centuries... Uh, you know, they had they just thought he had his his artistic sense messed up or something. Yeah, they thought yeah. it was a problem yeah. with the painter or the painting, yeah. when in reality it was a problem with where they were standing and how they were looking at things. So what we want to sort of talk about in this episode, but also in the whole season, is how being in the presence of Jesus, being in the presence of Jesus in prayer, in worship, in scripture reading, in community, being in the presence of Jesus is the perspective from which we can see that God actually is in control, God actually is moving, God actually is with us, God actually is doing some amazing things. And uh, that's what that that's what it means for us to live with resilience in challenging times. In fact, I love I love this uh, thing I just heard recently from Pete Grieg. Do you know Pete Grieg? Yeah. Pete Grieg, 24-7 prayer. Emmaus oh, yeah. Road Church in, in England. Yeah. Uh, man, we just live think, living and dead Englishmen. We quote him all the time. Oh, yeah. But I, I think he uh, he wrote the book where I got that story from. Ben. Oh yeah, I think yeah. he did. I think That's he did. Crazy. Yeah. Pete Grieg, though, uh, he uh, he has this great way of saying it that he kind of says a lot of times when he talks. He says, uh, "We often want God to airlift us out of our troubles, <laughs> but in fact, He parachutes in and joins us. Ooh, and uh, and His presence is the answer to what we're what we're kind of going through and what we're talking about. So that's what we want to talk about today. We'll kind of get into some different aspects of that uh, as we go along, but we're just talking about." living in Jesus' presence and how that is our perspective on these challenging times to see that God actually is working, actually is making us resilient, and actually is bringing about his perfect ends from these really crazy times in the meantime. Yeah, and uh, the, the wild thing about uh, 
that is when you when you have that perspective of the presence of Jesus in your life, like on a daily basis, uh, you realize that what God is saying and what Jesus is saying by His presence is that He's got you. He's He's encircled you, if you will. God has circles His people, as uh, Eugene Peterson says in a book that we will mention in a moment. A long obedience in the same direction. Awesome title. I wish he hadn't taken it what, thirty from, years ago. Yeah, you know. You oh, know? you know where he got the title though where? from Nietzsche. Oh, that's right. a Nietzsche quote. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, he wasn't such a happy fellow. Nope. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, it, you realize that you've got real security, and I love the way um, Peterson puts this in that book. He says it this way. He says, "I acquired a very different way of looking." That's that's perspective right there. I acquired a very different way of looking at the conditions under which the Christian walks uh, the way of discipleship. In, a, in both the scriptures and the pastoral traditions of the church, I found a background of confidence and leisured security among persons of faith. So he, he gets this from his reading, from his studies, and he becomes a pastor, and he gets it from experiencing how Christians are dealing with uh, hardship or troubles in their lives. And he's, I love that phrase, confidence and a, and a leisured uh, security among persons of faith. That leisured security. So, in other words, it's not like somehow we've got to, we're just frantically scurrying around to make sure that we're doing everything God wants us to do. But we'll f- refer to that a-, a little later. But Christians can find uh, Jesus in that. And what's interesting to me is that if you look at the world, everybody's looking for that kind of confidence or that kind of leisured security, really. Uh, you know, we, we talked about, um, well, we didn't, we talked about, uh, Mindfulness, but mindfulness is a part of a bigger movement that is going on in the world today, at least in, in this country, in America, in a big, big, big way. And, and it's the whole uh, wellness movement. I mean, it is a bazillion dollar a year uh, activity of making sure that we're wellness well. And, and the thing is about the Christian worldview and the scripture of the Bible, it, it, we're not against wellness, heaven forbid, you know. That'd be like being against your mom or something. We're not against wellness, but but the, the Christian worldview is all about well-being, and that's that's a a big difference. I mean, let me let me just give you an example. There's a I just heard about this recently. Um, there's a uh, and that just shows you how out of touch I am and how dated I am. But there's this big movement called manifesting going on in the high school or high schools and in colleges, and people are manifesting. Basically, what manifesting is is the new version. Uh, sort of a souped-up version of positive thinking, the power of positive thinking. If you can, uh, you know, just think it and have positive thoughts, then it'll happen. That kind of thing. It's sort of like, I guess it's sort of like uh, Jedi mind control or something like that. I don't know, but it, it, somehow, if you think it and wish it long enough, it'll happen. But that's just another example of people uh, of saying, you know, I just um, wish for that I could be confident that I could have some leisure to. Uh, 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 secure, uh, security that somehow I'm going to have well-being in my life. But we can see that kind of confident living in the presence, that is the presence of Jesus, uh, through the history, uh, throughout history, but even today in God's people, and especially in the God's people in the early church. And this is going to be sort of a passage of Scripture that's going to kind of guide us through this season. It's Acts chapter 4. And uh, what's going on in Acts chapter 4 is in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John decide that they're going to go to the temple in Jerusalem there and uh, say their uh, prayers there and do their daily prayer there. But even though they were following Jesus now, which was different than uh, the typical um, 
religion of the Jewish people in that day. Uh, but uh, as they come back, they start, there's this guy that's begging for food, or begging, begging for food or money, and he's, he's lame. He, and everybody knows him as the lame man. And then uh, Peter just looks at him and says, look at us, we don't have any money, we don't have any, any, anything to give you, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And all of a sudden, the guy stands up, starts jumping around and leaping around, freaking everybody out. Actually, if you give me that time machine, Ben, uh, when I get uh, my birthday coming along here, yeah. I'm going back to that day because I want to see... Wait, how did you know what I was getting you for your birthday? Oh, well, you know, I, I kind of shook the box. But... Um, but then they get called, they, you know, Peter gives this amazing uh, message to the people and he challenges them and challenges the religious leaders for having killed Jesus just a few weeks before. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, everybody's still trying to figure out where he is because uh, they, there's all these rumors about him having risen again and Peter's saying he did rise again. And anyway, the, uh, the Jewish leaders pull him in to uh, their council and say, you need to stop talking about this Jesus. And because people are starting to think that we killed him. And he said, well, you did. <laughs> but then in verse 7, I'm going to kind of rev up to our verse here, but start in verse 7. It says, when they had placed them in the center of the room they were in, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known that all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands bef uh, here before you in good health. He is the stone, he, that is Jesus, is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. That's a famous prophecy in the Old Testament that they all knew. And there is, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given uh, among mankind by which we must be saved. But then listen to this verse. This is it. This is verse, uh, verse 13. And now as they observe, that is, as these these religious leaders, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, untrained, you know, they, they weren't smart enough to fake this, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. So notice the connections. You got confidence with uh, going with being with Jesus, and you have amazement of adversaries and a change in view because uh, all that stems from this sense of confidence that comes from having been with Jesus. And that's what we hope to zero in on uh, this season in season four. Yeah, the interesting about, thing about that is that uh, Peter and John didn't get out of trouble. They, the, mm -hmm. the tensions continued to mount. Yeah, it was a but, squirrely uh, time. But they had confidence, that sort of leisure and security. In fact, uh, I was you, you let the cat out of the bag before, before I was planning to. I was going to bring up uh, this book. Now oh, at this point, shoot, but no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm glad we introduced that uh, leisure security. But let's just practice. Let's just pretend. Let's just pretend. Okay. Hey, Dad, have you heard of this book, Long Obedience, the Same Direction? No. Yeah. That's a great wow. title. Yeah. What a great oh, title. Where did yeah, that yeah, title yeah. come from? Well, it's from Nietzsche, actually. Oh, I don't really? know if you that, heard that. Uh, that's disgusting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. That's good. That's some good acting. All right, and yeah. scene. Okay, so uh, actually, I want to kind of camp on uh, a chapter in this book, Long Obedience in the Same Direction, uh, a chapter called Security. It's chapter 7, and in this book, he goes through the, the Psalms of the Ascents, which are Psalms uh, 120 through 135, and um, in these Psalms, he talks about the, sort of the way of following Jesus, and he has this passage or this chapter uh, based on Psalm 125, about that security, that leisured security, that confidence that comes from being with Jesus, which we just saw displayed in Peter and in John. And that's such a big part of what it means to live as a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus in these challenging times. Uh, Our perspective is such that we are able, in his presence, walking with him day to day, to have this confidence in the midst of chaos. And I'm actually going to read Psalm 125 uh, from Eugene Peterson's message translation, because that's sort of what he kind of writes the chapter based off of. And it says this, Those who trust in God are like Zion Mountain. Nothing can move it, a rock-solid mountain you can always depend on. Mountains encircle Jerusalem, and God encircles his people, always has, and always will. The fist of the wicked will never violate what is due to the righteous, provoking wrongful violence. Be good to your good people, God, to those whose hearts are right. God will round up the backsliders, corral them with the incorrigibles, peace over Israel. And later in the chapter, he says that that last phrase, peace over Israel, is akin to saying, so just relax. Just relax. <laughs> what a great word for anxious anxious uh, followers of Jesus at the moment to just hear people say, hey, God has you surrounded. You're encircled. You're safe. Just relax. He's got it under control. Not that we don't do anything, but that we walk through all the challenges and all the many things we have to do with that sort of leisured confidence, that security. And I love that that beginning picture of as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so God surrounds his people. Uh, there's this, uh, there's this um, passage in this chapter about how the mountains around Jerusalem, if you've ever been to, to Jerusalem, there's, there's a, a hill. Jerusalem's kind of built on a hill. I wouldn't call it a mountain. You know, we're close to Mount Hood here, and that, that feels like a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> but Mount Zion is this hill, right? And then it's surrounded by all these other ridges, that, these natural ridges that were all around the city were the, uh, the security, they were the safety, they were the fortress in which Jerusalem was nestled. And so to be a, a follower of Jesus is sort of to be placed in a fortress, be placed uh, safely encircled by God, uh, and, and as we walk through even the most difficult things, we know that we're held safe, or as Psalm 139 puts it, that he goes before us and behind us, and he hems us in. You know, we're, we're surrounded by mountains right here, Ben. We are surrounded by mountains yeah. here. The What was it again? The In the rainforest, the uh, Ar- Arctic. Arctic rainforest. We're going to call it Mountain Inn? No, we're just going to call it Inn. Yeah. The Ra- Arctic the, Rainforest, Rainforest Inn. Inn, right. Yeah, yeah. Soon we are to be the steamy prehistoric oh, my rainforest. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, yeah we are. We are uh, We are surrounded by mountains What here. I'm saying, it may morph over the season. Uh, it always does. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't expect any less. Um, and even, I love this, even uh, our... Um, Eugene Peterson makes the point when it says, uh, you know, you'll round up the backsliders or to those who turn aside to crooked ways. Um, many of us who are followers of Jesus can get really nervous about that and go, oh, am I, is that me? Is he describing me? Because I sin sometimes. And I and, oh, and he just makes the point to say, no, 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 you, you can't abandon God without a willful choice. If you're a follower of Jesus, <laughs> you have to make a choice, a concerted effort to turn your back, to, to turn your back on communities and people. And we all know people have done this, right? 
right? That'd be then a pretty uh, weak God if you could, right? Right, yeah, 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 yeah. So he just tells people, you know, relax. You, it's not something where you can accidentally slide away. Sure, we all drift from time to time, but there is still this security in knowing that I'm still within uh, God's family. But uh, he has this really great passage near the end of this chapter that, that I find really helpful as far as uh, helping to grow that leisured security or that settled confidence as a follower of Jesus. He says this, All the persons of faith I know are sinners, doubters, uneven performers. And I love this next phrase. We are secure not because we are sure of ourselves, but because we trust that God is sure of us. The opening phrase of this psalm is those who trust in God, not those who trust in their own performance or in their morals or in their righteousness or in their health or in their pastor or in their doctor or in their president or in their economy or in their nation. All those are things Did that, he write that like yesterday? I know, right? Yeah, huh. Or in these days' podcast. No, he didn't say that. Yeah, no. uh, but those well, who... <laughs> not those who trust in these things, but those who trust in God. And then this is a great sentence as well that really helps grow that confidence and security. Those who decide that God is for us and will make us whole eternally. Mm, and so that good. presence of Jesus, knowing that that God is for us, even, even if, if we are not sure of ourselves, God is sure of us, and he is with us even in this... Uh, difficulty. He's pain, he's sort of parachuted in in the midst of difficult times. So that's why we can live with that kind of security and live into that reality even in the midst of a world that seems like it's sometimes going crazy. So we can then have that confident, leisured security, and uh, and it grows out of this this connection with Jesus through His Word. Right. So uh, Eugene Peterson here is talking about the Psalms. He's using Scripture to sort of grow that in our own lives. And uh, that's what was displayed by Peter and John in the early church, that boldness, that security saying, whatever happens to us, we are safe in God's hands because he's the king of heaven and earth, and he has us surrounded just like the mountains surround Jerusalem. And knowing that, I think living in Jesus' presence starts to feel like living in security. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, another description of uh, this perspective, if you will, of the first century Christians uh, is in the book of Hebrews uh, a letter written to Jewish followers of the way, and uh, they actually were getting it uh, coming and going because they were they were taking hits from their former uh, Jewish friends and family because they began following Jesus, and they were taking it from the Romans and the authorities on the other side. So it was they had to really believe, and they when they were in, they were all in or not at all. And uh, at toward the end, last couple of chapters of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, uh, there's a there's a phrase that comes up uh, called the great cloud of witnesses, which I think it would be helpful for us to think about in our day in in these days. But uh, let me just sort of back up to chapter ten of the book of Hebrews. The last verse in in chapter ten of the book of Hebrews says. But we are not among those who shrink back to destruction, but those who have faith uh, for the safekeeping of the soul. Uh, and and uh, then he launches into uh, this, this whole, like, we, we call it the Hall of Fame of Faith. It's the, the, a whole chapter on people who had faith in the story of God. And, and you know, he goes all the way back to, to Adam and Abel and uh, Eve and and uh, and he comes along and, and talks about Abraham and uh, goes through uh, people like Moses <clears throat> and and then he goes through a list of people who uh, men and women uh, who didn't receive back what they had hoped uh, and yet they still had faith 
And, and God, in the end, uh, took care of all of those people and all of their hurt and, and so forth, too. But then he comes to the beginning of chapter 12, having said that and, and, and about all these people of faith and all these people that implies, as uh, Peterson says, that surround us uh, as God surrounds us because they're his people. And first verse uh, and a half of chapter 12 says this, Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, wait a minute, the writer of Hebrews there says, uh, whom I believe is Paul, by the way. I'm old-fashioned that way. Oh, you're old school, man. Yeah. I mean, there are other people that think otherwise. Of course, they're wrong. But um, (laughs) so, (laughs) but anyway, let's, uh, here, let me back up. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of our faith. So not only is he asking us to have faith, he gives us the faith, but the, the thing I want to zero in on, I, I remember the first time my youth pastor or somebody read this text and said, you know what, folks, we have a, we're surrounded by saints right now. And that kind of creeped me out at first because I thought, well, what, you, are, are you going to talk to me about ghosts or whatever? I mean, I was a pretty novice Christian. And the, and the point I made was, no, no, it's not that. It's that there are people that have gone before us and there are people that are, uh, uh, you know, um, that that are cheering for us uh, on the other side, but there are also people here all around us that we don't even know. There are, there are people that maybe don't get all the press, but they're they're uh, here, and and just because they're not in the press or on the TV or in the movies or whatever else, uh, or in the news, uh, there are people day after day that God is using to to um, change the world and touch people's lives simply by living one day at a time, one foot in front of the other kind of way faithful following uh, uh, in the way, uh, resilient way of Jesus. And when they fall down, which they do, we all do, they get right back up. Why? Because Jesus makes it makes them grow more and more resilient as time goes on. And, and the point for now is this, you and I are not out here struggling all alone. And you see, that's the message of, been in the message of this podcast all along, why we, why we start each one with... Um, the cold opens because we want to remind you and tell you about stories of people that are um, uh, who who have uh, been here before us and been in places like this before us and had faith struggles like this before us and all of those sorts of things. But uh, the the reality is is that if Satan can make us feel alone, if he can isolate us, then he conquers. That's how he does it. And what. The, Jesus clearly says uh, throughout his teaching, what this uh, text says is that uh, we're not alone, and we will never be alone. Ever since Jesus came to be with us, we are not alone. And, he, and when he went to, and ascended into heaven, he, he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us too. But we've got each other. We've got people all around us that are Christians all the time. I mean, if you've ever had that experience of finding out somebody that you meet on a regular basis at the coffee shop or at the store, all of a sudden, it's sort of what, uh, I'm going to, here's my uh, C.S. Lewis quote. Oh, I knew he jumped somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of like that, what, you too, kind of feeling. And it's like something just draws you together. I mean, and that's, that's what uh, we should be able to have every day, knowing that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And, um, and uh, what, 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 what God wants to do is to bring you to people uh, who have been where you are. 
so that you you can share with them and help them and that, and and vice versa for them to come to you that are that are, are have been where you are and to lift you up and encourage you and and as we live that way and as as it's, and we begin realize that it's Jesus' presence that weaves all that together we grow in that kind of confident uh, leisured security uh, of the presence. Of Jesus, and that's why the writer of Hebrews in, in uh, verse one there says we can have confidence uh, of this. And you see this throughout history. You see, you see that when all is lost and things seem to be getting hard and they're unprecedented and so forth and so on, God always pulls off some big thing in, in the long run. Uh, King, you look at the Book of Kings. I just read the Book of First and Second Kings in the Old Testament in my devotional time. It, it is a wacky world, man. It is the wild, wild west. And yet, out of that, God brings the the remnant, or the fall of Rome, and yet out of that uh, comes uh, the gospel around the world, or the, the difficulties and melancholy and weakness of Martin Luther in his day, out of that comes the Reformation that we're still feeling the effects of, or the debauchery of the, the colonies, the American colonies, just before the Great Awakening, or uh, World War II, was, uh, historians have said it was sort of a spiritually drained time immediately after World War II, uh, because they were just exhausted, and they'd just seen so much evil in the world, and, and yet all of a sudden in, in the 1950s, along comes uh, Billy Graham and the Crusades that they'd never seen crowds like that before. Uh, and gangsters and newspaper publishers were uh, coming down and, and uh, asking Christ into their lives. And, or, or the violence, I remember this one, the violence and the chaos of the 60s. And I remember out of that, I hear these rumors, I was just a kid then, but I heard these rumors about a church meeting on the beach, and I thought that was really cool, I wish I could be a part of that. But then the Jesus People movement comes out of that, or the the mixed bag of the secret church movement in the 90s, which, you know, it is a mixed bag. Uh, but the reality is in the early 2000s, we saw that there had been an evangelism explosion as a result of that. So God always uses even our our, our, our less than stellar efforts, as uh, Peterson implies, to uh, do amazing things and to, to bring the world to where it needs to be. That's great. That's great. I think it's uh, that's a good place to land with yeah. maybe a final thought, a little takeaway here. Yeah. Um, just you know, I think it'd be really good if over the course of this rest of this episode, if we could just read the entire Eugene Peterson book to you yeah. guys. So, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. But uh, there are a couple paragraphs right at the very end of that chapter on security that I think are a great place to land and end the episode on. And they mentioned that Hebrews passage that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is right after the part I was talking about where he says that you could you could. Uh, you could translate the end of Psalm 125 as, hey, just relax. But he says this, he says, we are secure, God is running the show. Neither our feelings of depression, nor the facts of our suffering, nor the possibilities of defection are evidence that God has abandoned us. There is nothing more certain than that he will accomplish his salvation in our lives and his perfect will in our histories. Three times in his great sermon, Jesus, knowing how easily we imagine the worst, repeats the reassuring (laughs) command, do not be anxious. Our life with God is a sure thing. When the mountain climbers are in dangerous, when mountain climbers are in dangerous terrain, on the face of a cliff, on the slopes of a glacier, they rope themselves together. Sometimes one of them slips and falls, backslides, but not everyone falls at once. And so, those who are still on their feet are able to keep the backslider from falling away completely. And of course, in any group of climbers, there's a veteran climber, a lead, identified in us, or for us, in the letter to the Hebrews as Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Oh, I forgot about that part. I yeah. can vouch for that, man. Traveling in a way of faith and climbing the ascent to Christ may be difficult, 
but it is never worrisome. The weather may be adverse, but it is never fatal. We may slip and stumble and fall, but the rope will hold us. Ooh, that's good. I think that's a good place to I, land. I don't, I don't think we can say it better than that, Ben. Yeah, I mean, he said it pretty well. Yep, that's great. Maybe that's why he was a famous author. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Eugene. Well, uh, you know what time? I, I think it's that time again. What time is it? Books and stuff, man. I've been waiting. For, no, I've man. been waiting to say that since uh, the. Yeah. Should we say it again? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Books and stuff. Books and stuff. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's really good, man. Love it. Missed missed that for sure. Uh, got any books and stuff? Uh, well, oh, you know what? There's a bookstore here in the inn, the the Arctic Rainforest. Wait, inn. you're not going to sell my books, are you? No, no, no. I'm going to go over get get a book from the bookstore. <laughs> Nice, nice. So, okay, okay. So really, good, really I'm gonna, good I'm gonna, I'm gonna one up there. you though. I'm gonna one up you though. I'm gonna okay. do. I'm gonna do a book uh, by the same author, uh, Eugene Peterson. Okay. Well, I'm into this. Um, uh, I have a funny story about Eugene Peterson. Should I tell it now? Uh, sure. Uh, so he was being interviewed about. Uh, he died what two years ago? I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was being interviewed about three or four years ago at a national conference that I was. I was. I was kind of looking in on. Because a friend of mine was going to interview him, uh, another pastor friend, and so Eugene Peterson comes out and he goes, uh, you know, because he he wrote the message version, right, 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 which is actually a paraphrase; it's not actually a translation. But so my friend goes, as soon as he sits down, hey, it's really glad to meet you. I've always wanted to meet you. I'm so glad you're here. Like, remember when you wrote the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> and here's the funny part. Peterson didn't crack one smile. He just stared at me. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. The whole place was erupting in laughter because my friend was squirming pretty bad. But anyway, um, so here's my book. Uh, it's been helpful a long time. It's an old, old book. It's called Answering God. And we've been we've seen like in uh, Robert Cummings, the, the position of kneeling. We're going to see a lot about prayer and so forth in this uh, season because it's a part of... Uh, you know, being with Jesus and then him going with you wherever you go, that kind of thing. And so, but this is a good book for that. It is also on the Psalms, but it, it um, the, the theme of it is, is that when we pray, we're not telling God anything. We're simply answering him because he's already spoken. And that's a whole different perspective. And there's a great deal of comfort with the way he puts this together. Like no matter what kind of season you're in, God's already spoken into this. He's already, he's already, uh, given the answer, and he's already given the solution, and, and the solution involves sticking with him. Answering God by Eugene Peterson. Great. Speaking of Eugene Peterson, um, I know this is a big surprise, but I'm going to recommend the long obedience <laughs> in the same direction, uh, especially that chapter 7, security. Uh, great one for if you're feeling uh, uncertain or discouraged or like you're on precarious footing these days. Uh, but then he's got these other great—listen to some of these chapter titles. He's got— uh, a chapter called Help, <laughs> a chapter called Joy, I uh, a chapter called Perseverance, a chapter called uh, Happiness, a chapter called Hope, a chapter called Blessing, a chapter called Community, all these things I think people need to hear yeah. about right now. So uh, pick that up. It's one of, I think it's actually probably his best-selling book that yeah. he ever wrote, apart from I think the message. So. It's, yeah. it's certainly one of his most famous ones. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, you know, when I first read this book was just over a decade, decade ago uh, in... 
Swaziland in 2010. Really? And I left the book there, not on purpose, not like as a gift because I'm a magnanimous <laughs> person, but I would change my life and then I left it there and I never got another copy until this well, year. We're on equal footing because yeah. I gave my copy uh, to somebody and he never gave it back. So basically what we're saying is buy this book and read it and then give it away. Yeah. Yeah. How that's that? good. That'd be real good. Yeah. All right. I think that's hey, uh, you, wrap. you weren't the one I loaned it to, were you? No, I, no, this is mine. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, no, that's one of the new versions. Okay, well, yeah, uh, that is a wrap. And uh, we're so glad you've joined us for this uh, first episode. And uh, hope you stay well, and we'll see you next week. And we'll be going now just uh, for a week or so. Bye.